airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, welcome to the show. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC. She's going to get our guest on for us in the second segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chelsea Human, I think is how you say the last name, is Texas State Director and National Legislative Advisor for uh, Human Coalition. And uh, she's going to join us to have a discussion about where we can expect to go in this country um, under a new administration as it pertains to life. Mm-hmm. So today's show will look at our nation uh, through life's filter um, <laughs> with the Biden administration at the helm. We'll look at what they've already done um, and what that tells us about where they might hope to go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what other nations could expect, might expect already um, are, you know, calling on the Biden, Biden administration uh, to use care and show respect <laughs> for them. Uh, I'm thinking of African nations in particular, but yes. anyway, um, we'll talk a little bit about that. So um, hopefully our listeners will stick around. We are just one week away. This is a public reminder for everyone who signed up for the marriage family date night. Uh, it's a week from today. Mm-hmm. I'm right. Okay. It's a week from today. Yep. And uh, we're excited about that. Um, it's an evening for us to gather and have a, how do you describe this? Because if like two couples go on a date together, they call it a double date. Even up to three, <laughs> you would say, okay, that's a triple date. You know, three couples are going to go and have yeah, dinner yeah. and they're going to talk and they're going to hang out. It's going to be fun. Oh, yay. W- what do you do when, when, like, <laughs> with what we've got going on here? What, Man, what do you do? What do you know. call it's that? A, it's a series of dates, I guess, you know. <laughs> I don't know. It's multiple oh. dates. It's uh. I don't know. I, None of it really sounds comfortable to try hanging, to describe. Hanging out with, you know, other couples. Yeah, yeah a couples get man. together kind of a thing. I yeah, was just looking for I a snazzy mean, way to shorten it. So so that's good. And, you know and basically me, the just, whole you know yeah. get to the point simple. I do know you. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I know you. Um yeah, you're just like, yeah, whatever. We're just gonna hang out. Uh but no, it's a it's a night to encourage and celebrate marriage yes. and Amen. um so often we are talking about and decrying what we stand against in culture and trying to remind people that God um, sets the standard, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and we still want to do that. But um, in, in tandem and doing all of those things, we can also celebrate what what is good. Right. Yeah. And what is happening right now. And so um, <laughs> and it's up to us to do that as the body of Christ, as you know, look, this world and its system have. Uh, a way of uh, defining what marriage is and yeah. what it should be and all that. But w- you know, with the, with the Christ follower, it doesn't change. Like mm-hmm. we go by what the Bible says. And so we should celebrate uh, marriage. And I think this is a great opportunity to be able to do so because, you know, the church has to stick with what God has said about, you know, uh, a marriage and family and all these issues. Mm-hmm. Very good. So um, that's happening 
uh, a week from today. And we're looking forward to it. Yes. Very, very exciting. Um, again, if you want to connect with us, you can do that by emailing us at addisons at AFR.net. Addisons at AFR.net. Download the podcast. Uh, we put the links in the podcast that you find uh, via AFR.net. Correct? Uh, yeah. And look, I just want to say Sherry B sent uh, a title. You okay. It's, okay. Is that Covey or Covey? Of couples. Uh, that's Covey? We a could. Covey of couples. Okay. How about that? Okay. Sure. <laughs> you don't sound convinced. I trust, I trust okay. Sherry. I just, it's not natural <laughs> you to me. You know, she's so the worst, Mitt. She is. She is. And she's very good at that. So I trust her. <laughs> it's not natural to me, but I, I mean, sure. It almost sounds like a litter of people. Ah, I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, goodness. And look, and, and every mom of multiples going, well, it kind of sometimes feel like you have. Anyways. Um, uh, yeah, so that's good. So that that's all happening in a, in a, in a week. Yes. But I want to do this, though, because we're going to hit the break here. So before we get into talking with Chelsea Human about um, life in this country, mm-hmm. our teaching pastor at our local assembly has been making some points about <laughs> the issue of life. Yes. And um, why are you chuckling? No, because when you said that, I was thinking, yeah, y'all might know. But anyway. Go oh, on. yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, I guess we do share him, you know, with everybody who listens to the Hamilton Corner. Um, but at the same time, yeah. Um, yeah. very much so locally focused and yeah. equipping the body of Christ here, uh, doing the work of ministry, right, that the Lord entrusts to pastors. Amen. Um, and so so one of the things that he's been really challenging and pressing on, and I thought, man, this is so good in all of the years that um, I've been a part of the pro-life movement, calling people to action, speaking out, um, all of these things that we do. Um, one of the points that he made was um, just even the, the Lord opening his eyes to um, to observe, I'll say it that way, to observe that um, we in America tend to care more about pro-life legislation then we do about the actual lives connected to that legislation. And mm-hmm. we don't really realize that we've done that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and as he unpacked it, I thought, Whoa, you know, that, that is an excellent observation because one of the things that he said was that if we to be genuinely pro-life would be not to only care about what happens politically speaking, but to do what Christians have done, um, from the time that Christians were a thing to yeah. say it that way. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is to live for the glory of God and whatever culture they're deposited in, wherever they tend to crop up, Christians live differently. They live Amen. counterculturally. Amen. And when you start to think about that and you kind of, you know, have a moment to, first of all, not feel offended because you you're pro-life, right? So their, mm-hmm. their first reaction is like, oh, wait, hold on. No, I am pro-life. And you, you're sounding like a liberal because it's like you're saying we're pro this, but we don't think about all of this. But actually the reality of it, when you take a step back, you think as many people as um, are pro-life activists, right, who want to see laws change, who, you know, for some, for some, not for all, but for some, that conviction kind of stops right there at legislation. Mm. It's like, I would never consider adopting a child. Mm -hmm. Um, I would never consider fostering a child. Mm -hmm. I frown upon families that are larger than their 2.5. Right. Like I, I, you know, but, but I will fight to the death to probably poor choice of words there, but I will fight (laughs) to the nail. Let's do it that way. I will fight (laughs) to the nail 
to see that the proper legislation is in place or that candidates who uh, reflect my values, Mm. as stated, Mm. are in position. And so this is something I've really been chewing on since he made this point um, at our local assembly. And I've been thinking about this and thinking, you know, what does it really what does that really look like? And and again, not to borrow from liberal talking points um, where people say you are just pro birth, but you're not pro life. You don't care about the life after it's born. Not to borrow from that at all, but to really press the body of Christ that we do what Christians have done. Um, that actually works even when you don't have the form of government that we have. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, so in, in other words, the Christian faith works in any form of government, which is yeah. an amazing thing, isn't it? <laughs> like, to think that the yeah. Christian faith um, was not waiting for America for, so that Come it could on. take shape. Yes. It was not waiting for our form of government to take shape. Like, there are some people who can, you know, unwittingly think that, but that is absolutely not accurate. Mm. So what is it? We have to ask ourselves, what is it about the Christian faith that allows for it to, for once and for all, have taken shape, even in the midst of oppression and the silencing of Christians and Christians being sort of the bottom rung of the ladder? What is it about this faith that allow for Christians to even like upset entire cultures? That's that's what Christianity did throughout the Roman Empire. Like it upset Roman culture. Now, at times that meant um, persecution of Christians. First three, four hundred years of Christianity under Roman oppression. We're talking about, yeah, you're upsetting culture and you're going to pay for it. (laughs) But then there's this beautifully like Holy Spirit orchestrated moment where you're upsetting culture. And wait a minute, we're learning from it. Mm. We, We are actually now going to value human life in a way that was inconsistent with the way we viewed people before. Because you think of like, um, you think of the Romans and they saw people when they got sick, they saw that as like weakness. weakness. So let them fend for themselves. Like uh, let's, that's the gods must've judged them. Mm. So we're not going to help them. In fact, we're going to get them as far away from us as possible because we don't want to get what you have. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, but you have Christians who are the ones who are in these places who are saying, man, we need to care for people. Why? Because Imago Dei. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> they understand that people are made in the image of God. That's right. Same thing when you think about babies. So we mm. don't have um, pro-life choices among Christians under Roman rule. Like they're not getting among themselves and being like, all right, all right, let's, okay, so who's going to be the next one? And who do we need to cast our vote for? Like, it's not that's not a luxury that Mm -hmm. they enjoy. Mm -hmm. So what do they have to do? Then they have to go and scoop up the babies who've been left to exposure, Mm. who their fathers have said, no, we don't want them. No, we just don't. No, we just lay them out and we have to we have to, you know, move on with life and, and whatever happens to them will happen, which we hope actually is their demise. Mm. So what do the Christians do? The Christians don't say, well, let's march about this, right. which that's not bad, right. right? Because we have a different form of government. Right. I want people to understand what I'm saying here. Right. But what right. do the Christians do? Say, go the Christians them. go and get those go babies. Get them. Mm. They go and get the children that are sold into slavery. Come on. Some Christians even using their resources to purchase these children and bring them into Christians, into Christian homes. Why? Because Imago Dei, mm-hmm. one, two, also the opportunity to hear the gospel. Mm. So that their lives will be changed eternally. And this is one of those questions where I wonder if because of the comfort to a certain extent, the comfort of the form of government 
um, that we enjoy has kind of like um, made us a little bit impotent in what should be the power, the potency of the gospel living in every cultural context. We're like, well, we just have to get the right people in office and then they'll do that. But was not so with Christians in times past. They they were not waiting for their person to be in office, nor were they lamenting, oh, look at how we can't be authentic Christians Mm. because our person is not in office. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you had you had Roman emperors that were a little more favorable toward Christians mm-hmm. throughout the history of the, of the Roman Empire. You had mm-hmm. some that were more favorable and some that were less so. Right. But you don't have Christians being less Christiany. <laughs> excuse it. Okay. <laughs> because of who is in power, who's quote unquote sitting on the throne. And and it's amazing. It's sobering and it's challenging all at the same time Man. that what they ultimately realized mm-hmm. was that they knew the one who does sit on the throne of thrones. Right. It was deeply rooted in their hearts. They understood the yeah. gospel. They understood being salt and light. They understood that, you know, it's not waiting on somebody else to do. We go and do, you know, yeah. and even at the taking up of uh, sickly kids or kids who were not wanted, they understood, man, we've been adopted. That's, you know? right. That's exactly man, right. What great, you know, uh, 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 family that we are a part of because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And they acted that out, you know, in everyday lives. You know, and I love when we talk about this kind of stuff because it's church history. This is our it is. DNA. Not, this is our history. That's right. You know, this is in and all through history. The church has done these type of things. Mm-hmm. Charity. You know, hospitals being hospitals, open. Hospitals, that's you us. Know, yep. Adoption and taking, mm-hmm. you know, buying slaves and, and setting them free and, you know, giving them the gospel. That's right. Like, this that's is right. what we do, you know. But I, I think you're right about sometimes having a form of government that can almost make us, you know, lazy about that type of stuff. Yeah, you a little know? apathetic and we don't realize it Cause, because hmm. the, the, the sentiments that we express can feel an awful lot like doing. Mm. Right. It can feel like doing. And so we don't mean it to be that way, but we're like, but I am pro-life. Mm-hmm. And that assertion almost feels like an active display of of being pro-life. Mm. Right. That it it comes along with certain automatic thoughts that people confer upon you. There's a mm-hmm. merit that is conferred mm-hmm. upon you for that. Um, but I wonder, even as we have this discussion and we're going to focus mm-hmm. legislatively, we're going to look at you know the Biden administration. And that's all important. I wanted to preface the discussion with the fact that our mandates from the Lord Jesus Christ to live for his glory in every culture, in every circumstance, does not change with a changing administration. That's right. It doesn't change. That's right. That's right. right. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's just start there and pick up uh, with Chelsea Human on the other side of this break. This is Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. I hope you'll stay right there. filter a look at the Biden administration. That's our discussion today. So we appreciate you listening, uh, tuning in to hear this discussion. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And that's Cam with I See the Truth. Sherry B is over in Studio CC and she's gotten our guest on. By the way, you're listening to Aaron the Addisons Mm -hmm. on American Family Radio. We appreciate you doing that. Chelsea Yeoman is Texas State Director and National Legislative Advisor for Human Coalition. And she joins us today to talk about um, what we are learning 
uh, might be um, sort of uh, down the road for us for the next four years coming from the Biden administration. Yeah. Uh, I, I think there's some things, obviously, that have already happened right. that can tell us where we're going. Right. And then maybe there's some things yet to happen. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, Chelsea, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me to talk about this important conversation and topic. It's such a difficult one to talk about when we mm. talk about abortion, but it's so important and necessary to be aware of what's going on around us. So thank you for having me. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Our pleasure. And I want you to give our listeners just a little bit of your background, because a lot of what we're going to focus on today, which I think we can do both. Um, but our focus today is we're going to be talking about legislation. We're talking about what's happening, um, at least from the, the government vantage point as it pertains to life. And this is sort of in your wheelhouse. Tell our listeners a little bit about your background, where you've worked in the past and why this movement and this fight is so important to you now. You got it. Well, I actually have a legal background. I was a constitutional attorney working on um, freedom of religion and freedom of speech cases with First Liberty Institute. And so I definitely have a passion for using my degree to, to really help others, honestly, and be a voice for the voiceless. That's where I really got on the path of trying to just make sure that we are protecting our freedoms and our rights. Um, and that really started speaking to me on the pro-life side of things. I found myself just constantly trying to join organizations and volunteer um, to use those gifts to really protect the most vulnerable among us, which is obviously babies in the womb. And so um, as I got a call from a high-ranking official in Texas that said, look, we, we have a need here in Texas for a pro-life group who can just try to do meaningful work, advise the members, help them draft policies, and be kind of a legal expert to them. And so I sought out and I left my organization that I love to go join another ministry, um, and that's exactly what I'm doing now. And so I am the Texas State Director, where I work on pro-life legislation, but I'm also our national legislative advisor. Um, we have our executive director is based out of Washington, D.C. His name is Dean Nelson. Um, mm -hmm. And we work yeah. at all levels to really draw attention to pro-life um, pro work that is good and then mm -hmm. draw education on, you know, really how far the left has gone on pushing forward the abortion agenda. Mm, wonderful. Yeah, we consider Dean a friend. So yeah. um, it's, it's, it's great <laughs> to just know the connections and all of that. And so before, yes. before moving to Human Coalition, you were at First Liberty Institute, correct? Yes, I was. Yes, I yeah. was. No, I th I think that's a I think that's pretty cool. I just yeah. wanted to make sure that people understood that. That's not I mean that's not a small thing. You also have two children. You're happily married. I love that you included happily. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are happy, and we're up to three children. By the way, we have ah. a new little guy probably since that was updated. So I've got an eight month old, a two year old, and a four year old. All oh, right. that's wonderful. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, so just we'll set aside the interview just for a second and just be moms here. So we actually have six <laughs> and our youngest is four months old. And so it's so exciting to hear that you've got an eight month old and then you said two and four. I said two and four, and they are crazy. <laughs> mm, yep, they are at that age. They're just crazy. They really, really are. Yeah, it's and wonderful. they're all boys. So it's oh. like they all think that they're goodness. And wow. So this time keep up. 
<laughs> that's so funny. I always just imagine like dads in that situation. They're like, that's right. They're all boys. <laughs> <laughs> I come from a family of all girls. So I'm wow. learning a lot about, you know, the other side. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that means the Lord had mercy on you. Anyways. Okay. We can move on. <laughs> we have a couple of girls. Oh, no. It's different. It's different navigating girls. Um, And you know that. So let's, but let's, let's talk about where we are now because it's very sobering, right? Isn't it, Chelsea? It's very sobering to think about where we are in this country. I know there are a lot of people who really are. Um, some of the things that we hear from our listeners is um, that, you know, I'm reeling. I just don't understand. I don't know where we go from here. What does this mean mm-hmm. for all that we saw under the Trump administration? But here is where I want to start and have you just kind of um, unpack this for us. Let us know where we are. Um, what does, um, what, the Biden administration and in the form of executive actions, what does that already tell us about how babies in the United States are, or in the world, okay, will fare for the next four years? Well, I, I wish I had good news, but the truth is we had the playbook. Everybody did the Democrat party platform from the beginning, and they are the most extreme pro abortion, not just pro like they pretend that they are pro-reproductive health, which is what they're saying. Mm-hmm. They are genuinely pro-abortion, and they they paved the way for that. It's no secret. Voters should have known, should have been educated. Um, but he is as quickly as we've ever seen a president move mm-hmm. moving forward um, on, on those issues. And so he's already signing executive orders. He's already implementing their plan. They had a first day in office, a 30-day in office, and a 90-day in office abortion plan um, and he's mm, well wow. on his way to, to implement that so i'm happy to give details if you want but it's, I, yeah. it's very aggressive and quick well, well well so you know when we talk about uh executive orders uh he's starting quick with these but those can be overturned at some point if there's a new administration right is there still yes, hope so there okay quickly as he signs them they could be repealed um you know unfortunately a lot of damage can be done yeah, though in the interim because <laughs> Those policies go into place. The funding goes into place oh, immediately. Man. And so, you know, specifically last week, um, he repealed a ban that Trump had put into place that hmm. said our international aid money cannot go to organizations that perform abortions or refer for abortions. He's already routing that international money back towards wow. abortion um, conducting entities. He's already um, allowed Planned Parenthood to conduct abortion to re-enter the Title X funding program. Mm. And so the funding for Planned Parenthood is increasing as we speak. And this can all, of course, do damage, and these will be lives lost in the next few years um, immediately. And so so it's it's really disappointing, but there's unfortunately even more on the horizon. Um, A few other high-level policy points would be there's something called the Hyde Amendment. And the Mm -hmm. Hyde Amendment says our taxpayer dollars cannot pay for abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, because most people have religious views on that, conscience views on that, um, and we are protected as citizens from having our taxpayer dollars fund abortions. Well, they're, for the first time um, in decades, looking to repeal the Hyde Amendment, and with a majority in the Senate and majority in the House, they, they have the yeah. most to do that. And so wow. there there are some big, important things in the works. They're looking at removing groups like Human Coalition who serve women and, and help them in their pregnancies, but don't provide abortion, they're looking at removing them from federal aid and programs and saying, mm. if you want to join, you have to provide abortions. Um, so really, really big damage that yeah. we're looking down the pipeline. And of course, we'll be working against um, 
We, at least in Texas, have a very robust attorney general who will be suing the administration along the way. We inform him as to these policies as they come into play. Um, we inform the grassroots and, you know, of course, anticipate being involved in some of these lawsuits. So the goal is really to provide a stopgap as much as we can until midterms when hopefully we'll regain a majority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and I think, you know, mm. unfortunately, and, and nobody wants it to be this way, but I think that there is um, the opportunity in the midst of what seems to be overwhelming action taken, like kind of like right out of the gate by the Biden administration. I think it's also an opportunity for people who are watching this and are paying attention to say, wait a minute. Okay. Um, then we've got to make some different choices in a couple of years. We've got to do some things differently. So even yeah. though you look at this and you're kind of lamenting it, there is a real opportunity for people to say, man, we've got to put some some stops or some speed bumps in the way here. And that is reflected in how we will vote going forward. I, I love that you are saying that. I think it's so important that you get that message out there because, you know, we did see a lot of Christians in good faith truly grappling with their vote in November and saying, look, we don't. We don't really stand for the mouth on President Trump, but we don't stand mm-hmm. with the left. And where does that leave us? And I think that it, this is such an important time to say, don't just vote on November 3rd and then go about your lives. You have to pay attention and know that that vote comes with a cost. And, mm-hmm. you know, for me and my movement, that that cost is life, like very tangible mm-hmm. lives um, being lost. And so it's of the utmost moral priority. You know, I know we all grapple with issues on the ballot when we're going to vote, but this one has the most dire consequences and it should be therefore the most important issue to vote based on. Chelsea, do this for me if you can. Give our listeners a conversational way to talk to their friends and their family and um, people that they are in in, uh, fellowships with. Give them a conversational way to talk about what the Biden administration has already done. Like, I mean, we understand mm-hmm. the policies and all these, but sometimes it can be a mouthful just for the average person. They know yes. that they have these convictions, but they don't know exactly how to communicate the urgency to people. Can you give mm-hmm. us just a conversational style to communicate what is happening and then maybe where we're expecting to go? Sure. So if I'm in a conversation where I assume everybody's pro-life, I'll start somewhere else. But if I'm not assuming people are pro-life, you know, I would start earlier on. I'm like, why being pro-life is important and why that's biblical worldview. So if we're with, you know, people who are pretty like-minded and, you know, don't live and breathe and sleep this like I do, I would just mm-hmm. say, um, you know, at, there's two real levels of government. There's going to be at the federal level, Biden and the Democrats are in charge of all of it right now. And they are moving as quickly as possible to funnel money to abortion clinics mm. internationally and at home. And they are working against any initiatives that don't provide abortion. If they want insurance covered abortion to be mandatory, they want um, Obamacare to cover it. They want a remote abortion. I mean, they have a huge mm. agenda to expand abortion. Mm. And then at the state level, what you have is a lot of Republican-run state legislatures that are saying, we're Republicans, we're pro-life, and they're drafting, the beautiful news is, tons of pro-life legislation. There are heartbeat bills, there are non-discrimination bills that are saying you should not have an abortion because of the sex or race or fetal abnormality of your child. Um, they are drafting bills that will help pregnancy resource centers like Human Coalition reach more women. And so at the state level, 
there's this push in the opposite direction and it all culminates in the court in the middle. Mm-hmm. And the courts will all decide whether the pro-life legislation stands, whether the Biden administration and the pro-abortion movement at the federal level is going to stand. Um, and we as a country, just we have a duty to be aware um, to vote on this issue and then to advocate for pro-life policies at both levels. Okay, so so now, Chelsea, I'm going to step. That was beautiful. I'm going to step into the role of the person that you're talking to. And I am a Christian. And I hear okay. you say this. And but I say, I say, um, you know, listen, I am pro-life and people have heard this argument before. I am pro-life, but I don't believe that I should. Um, push my pro-life views on women in America. I think that they should be able to make that choice. And you guys always say there are going to be dire consequences. Well, look, here we are. We have Biden. And I just, I don't think it's going to be as bad as you say. And I think that those women still need to make those choices on their own. Sure. Well, there are really two separate issues that you're talking about. The first, the shorter one would be, well, he's already, he's already causing damage. So that happened last week when he signed his first executive order. It's, it's already occurring. And so just, you know, we're, we have to be honest about the facts and intellectually honest. And the fact of the, mon- the matter is money funneling towards abortion clinics is in- enabling them to connect, conduct more abortions. So right. and expand their facilities. And um, so those are lives lost. It's, just, it's a fact. Um, but backing up about I'm a Christian, but we want to be winsome and how do I grapple with that? And, you know, the, the narrative on the left, and that's a tough question. You're giving me tough questions, but <laughs> I would just say, if you're a believer, are you a believer? Yes, in I'm a believer. Mm-hmm. Okay. In this instance, so um, we would say, we know that the Bible says that we are created in the image of God and that because of that, he says we are good. We know the Bible plans out each day of our lives, that they are written in his book of life for us, that he counts the hairs on our head, and he puts our tears in a jar, and that he says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, we know that the Bible says God has knit us together in the womb. Mm-hmm. When you take it back to Scripture, and you take it back to truth, protecting life in the womb is central to God's heart, and it's central to our biblical worldview as Christians, and it's saying humans have dignity. We are that we are innocent in the womb. We are vulnerable in the womb, and we, because we are human, we matter. Yes. Um, and if you take that, then you would say from there, if that is the truth, I believe, then to end that life is devastating, and it's a separate mm-hmm. life from the mother. It is not a part of the mother. It's not her arm. It's not her leg. It is a mm-hmm. separate individual life with a purpose inside that mother that God is creating. And so from there, you say it's wrong to end that life. And if it's if we can all agree that it is wrong to take innocent life in any context, in any context, then you, the question is you have to, to move and motivate in your life based on that knowledge and that information. Mm. And I would say morally, ethically, biblically, the answer is yes. Um, now there's a lot of ways to come alongside that mother and say, my, my clinics at Human Coalition serve women day in and day out who are seeking abortion and are in this position. They, they are women that have already said, I want an abortion. And they come in and they say, all right, if your circumstances were different, would you choose the parent? And 75% of the women say yes. Mm. And so that tells me something that is really one of the most important things I ever say is that women want to parent. 
And I think it's a false narrative that's out there to say that this is anything about their choice or anything about their autonomy. That's just cute marketing packaging for the left. But Mm -hmm. the truth is, when you speak to these women and you know who these women are, if you are this woman, you know that you're making a decision out of duress and stress and anxiety and you're facing homelessness, unemployment. You don't know how you're going to pay the bills and rent. And there's a lot of real tangible reasons outside of the pregnancy women seek that as an option and so we as a society work to alleviate that Chelsea, let me just jump in. we got to grab this break. We'll take it and we'll be right back. Chelsea Yeoman joins us. Uh, We'll continue the discussion, so stay right there. Back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Zach Williams with Chain Breaker. Sherry B is over in Studio CC, and we appreciate her. She has secured for us our guest, Chelsea Yeoman, who is Texas State Director and National Legislative Advisor for Human Coalition. And uh, one of the things that we try to do on this program is equip Christians to live authentic lives in the culture every day. That's mm-hmm. what we try to do. And so we have conversations that um, will include at times a lot of information, um, an argument, a defense for where we stand, biblically speaking, on issues. But one of the things I think is so important about the conversation, Will the Great, is mm-hmm. that we make sure we equip people to have the con- the conversation that is currently being had. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So a lot of times what we find is that we stand on on an issue where the word of God stands. But then you'll see the culture kind of like slides out away from that argument. And then there's a new argument that starts happening. Right. Mm. And so, Chelsea, it is to that place. I would like to welcome you <laughs> and ask you some questions um, just based on where I perceive the argument to be now. And, and you may have seen this or caught wind of this. And so. Um, we want to equip Christians to be able to respond to what's happening in the culture. Some of the argument right now, as it pertains to life and the way Christians vote, some of the argument sounds something like this. I am still pro-life. I do not support abortion and I am not pro-choice. However, I voted for a liberal candidate or I voted for a Democrat because I like where they stand on other issues. I believe Mm. in, let's say, justice or I believe in, I don't know, pick something else, you know, that that the poor should be cared for and that the government needs to do better. There should be, here's the magic word, equity. And so I'm voting in that direction, but it does not mean that I don't care about babies in the womb. You pick your issues that are important to you and I will pick mine. And that's kind of where I think the conversation has come to rest uh, right now. And it could shift as much as the culture shifts, the conversation could shift. Um, Chelsea, please help us respond to that. Wow. I just love so much that you're, you're willing to go there and like, let's have these difficult conversations. Let's be equipped for, for how to deal with them. So I'm, I'm going to do my best here, but sure. one thing I think is important um, to really start with is almost, I mean, we talked in the last segment about the biblical analysis here, the biblical, what the Bible has to say about life and human dignity and why that's so important. But really 
it's good to have lots of issues you care about. It's good to care about justice and, and all of those things, but you have to ask yourself which issue has the most dire consequence if we don't mm. address it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, morally speaking, we have to do a moral analysis here. And there are a few things that, that the Bible says are really near and dear to God's heart. And one of those is the shed of innocent blood. Um, mm-hmm. And you look through and you say, if I don't address any of these issues, which one will have the biggest consequence? And that's going to be the, the death of a million babies a year in America, mm. um, 40 million worldwide. And that is a number. It's a real number. Those are children who should be born and going to kindergarten and living their lives. But a million children every year die. And if wow. you treat that like you would the Holocaust or any other issue, then you know it's morally the most important issue to address. Um, it is a justice issue. They are vulnerable. They are. They mm-hmm. don't have a voice for themselves. Mm-hmm. It is unjust that they don't get to see their first birthday. Um, it's unjust that their mothers aren't cared for better and are told there's a quick fix. This will make it all go away. And then they're left to pick up the pieces and deal mm-hmm. with the consequences of that choice the rest of their lives. I mean, there, there's a whole lot that attaches to it. At the end of the day, I say you, you do it in or moral priority of what's going to have the worst consequence. And to me, that is death. Mm. It's the Man, only that's issue so good. on your ticket that is life or death. It really is. Yeah, wow. yeah. Without question. Without mm-hmm. question. I think the other issues that people would say are life or death those you can argue over like those those are things that you can dispute you can talk about the numbers you can talk about why that happens you can talk about other possible solutions but the only thing that guarantees death as the outcome is when you have people who have their driving force abortion like that is what fuels their fire like that is that is their aim that is what they're going after there is no question that in that situation there is guaranteed death an abortion unless a baby survives, but that's not what's hoped for. You know what I mean? That's, that's sort of like, how do we make sure that that doesn't happen? And I think that's a, that's a great case that you're laying out there. And I think it's a case that's important for Christians to be able to articulate. You're, you're absolutely right. It's difficult. These are difficult issues to grapple with, but you know, for me, it says, okay, what's, what's the the worst thing that's going to happen if this isn't addressed? And that the answer to this is is more death. Um, And I think it's also important to know that like the other side hides the ball. Like you Mm -hmm. will not hear Biden or Kamala Harris talk about abortion. You will hear them say reproductive health or health care. And they're constantly reframing, constantly remarketing and packaging. You know, Margaret Singer famously said when she started Planned Parenthood in New York, if we will get the black pastors on board and we'll Come call on. this family planning, they'll never know what we're really doing. Mm. And it was part of her eugenics movement and her racist movement. Yeah. And then they repackaged it from family point planning to a feminist movement and women's choice. And then they mm-hmm. remarketed it a few years ago to healthcare. But that's never really what it's about. What it's really about is ending lives. Man, yeah. That's amazing yeah. that, that she even said that because we were talking uh, about even this past election in the Senate election in at, in uh, Georgia, and one of the people on the ballot is is a pastor. Is a know, pastor Raphael Warnock, and he's pro-abortion. You know, so it seems like 
uh, singers. Now he would say he's pro-choice. He well, would take issue with you saying we know what he is. That, right, right. But <laughs> I just want people to know because when you when you say that, the person is going to say I am pro-choice. And but yeah. but really that I mean that's that's just wild because I think the pushback needs to be so you're pro allowing a person to shed innocent blood. You so you're. It it is I would say right. it is being pro murder. But he's I, a pastor, and yeah. you know we're talking about what Singer wanted. You know, <laughs> as oh far yeah, as, no, and, that's a and good point. It's, it's right in line. You yeah, know? no that that anyway. is an excellent point, and and I would just echo what Chelsea said. In addition, uh, you talk about how the language continues to shift. Um, you know, healthcare, and then most recently, um, and I I think that this is strategic to grab. Black support. Uh, let's just keep it 100. Mm. I think that this is strategic because now you hear talk about reproductive justice, <laughs> right? So if you can put justice on anything, then you've got a certain group of people that you're always going to grab their attention. Right. And I think this is unfortunate because Christians who are black are also being manipulated by this terminology, reproductive justice. Well, I mean, who receives justice? Certainly not the baby. Right. Certainly right. not the baby. So, right. all right, let's move on. Chelsea, I have another question for you here. Um, we know that the Trump administration was no friend of human traffickers. And we know also that there is a connection between um, human. Do we lose Chelsea? I think we lost her. Oh, man. All right. Well, that's fine. We'll get Chelsea <laughs> back on. And as soon as we get her on, we'll ask her a question about human trafficking, yes. the connection to abortion, and what we might see coming from the Biden administration. I'll tell you what I what I wonder. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if I should tell you what I wonder. Uh, or if I should just wait for Chelsea. You can wait. I mean, unless, I don't know. Whatever you want to do. I don't do. know. I'll just, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait. Because I really want to get her take on this. I think it's important for us to be able to have the conversations where they're happening. Yeah. No, and to be able right. to answer the questions that people actually have, which is, how do I have this everyday conversation with a person on the issue of life and show that not only am I informed about it, but I understand the tactics behind how the conversations mm-hmm. are being had today. Yeah. Right. And so what are the tactics? The tactics are to constantly shift terminology. We already talked about that. Right. Mm-hmm. And then to create a different conversation. Right. And so I think it's important for us to address that. OK, yeah. I understand we have Chelsea back. Yes. OK, great. Because this this question, I really I'm hoping that she can shed some light on for us. Um, the Trump administration took a very hard position um, as as it pertained to human trafficking. Um, and we know that there is a connection between human mm-hmm. trafficking and abortions. Do we see the Biden administration taking a hard position on human trafficking or is that sort of like all in the same basket and they just will turn a blind eye to that, Chelsea? That's a really great question. Um, I would argue that the Democrats have already been turning a blind eye to it for, for years now because the abortion industry um, heavily feeds the human trafficking industry. Uh, 30% of human trafficking victims have been to a Planned Parenthood, um, and mm. 60% have had an abortion, so other other abortion clinics. So one of some, I did some research on this, um, and we're you know heavily involved here in Texas with trying to get the word out on this front, but that really one of the best ways to catch and save human trafficking victims is through the abortion clinics. Um, but you know, they're largely done off the books. These abortions, women women who were survivors reported they were done off the books on the weekends. Um, the abortion clinics knew that what was happening and thought that they were helping her when they, in fact, were not. Um, 
And so I would think that, you know, they already know these. The study came out, a Beasley Institute study years ago, um, and nothing's been done. And so whatever people can do to draw light to that connection and that issue is, is really important. Um, Human Coalition Action really advocates on behalf of saving these victims and hopes that the new administration will do the same. But I, I unfortunately don't see that happening. Hmm. You know, we had a conversation um, middle of last year. We had a conversation about um, essential workers and essential services. And it seemed that no matter what was going on in this country, um, you know, we, we've got a pandemic. We're in the midst of a pandemic. Um, women are still aborting babies. Um, help us make sense of that. Help us make sense of the rise of abortions, um, even amid a, a pandemic. Well, I think it's important to understand who women seeking abortion are. Um, they are typically they're typically in uncertain or sometimes very dire circumstances and situations. And so the thought of having a child is overwhelming or daunting or they don't know how they're going to make it happen. And so uncertainty historically drives up women calling our clinics and their need for help and assistance. Um, so it's not surprising at all, but it is important just to know that there are so many pro-life groups out there already serving women. Um, there are 22,000 PRCs in, in the country so that offer women alternatives to abortion. And so the good work is being done. A lot of it is nonprofit. A lot of it relies on volunteers. Um, so just being in, in touch with your local communities, knowing that these are women sitting in your pews um, that go to church with you, that... There, just look around and see how you can personally help to alleviate those circumstances by supporting these groups um, is a huge thing that you could do. You know, I'm so glad that you actually went in that direction, Chelsea, because I want to stay there for just a little bit. Um, my question is more of a practical question. So let's let's double back to that. While we as as Christians, as pro-life activists say, you know, we want to make sure that the people who best reflect our values are in positions of authority in our in our country. So we want to make sure that, you know, the people that are elected, uh, the direction that we cast our vote aligns with our conviction. In addition to that, you know, Christians historically have been able to live authentic lives even when they didn't have the form of government that we have in the United States of America, right? So they they were rescuing babies. They were helping um, orphans and, and widows and those who were sick and in need. As we look at, you know, where we are as far as uh, government is concerned, there is still work for Christians to do. Can you talk a little bit about um, how you encourage Christians to be active um, in the expression of their faith and their conviction that they are pro-life. Yes, absolutely. Well, I think Christians have really led the way in the pro-life movement. And so I always like to give kudos where kudos is due and just say that, that Christians and Catholic series, I mean, there are so many people that have spent decades fighting the good fight to protect life. Um, and so that is something that just has to be acknowledged. But outside of that, knowing that these pregnancy resource centers, I think less than 0.101% of all charitable funding goes or donations go to pro-life work. Um, it's a very, very underfunded movement, which really shocked me when I joined it um, because it is a difficult topic and it takes resources to walk into women's lives and help them. And so I think the number one way they can support is find your local pregnancy resource center Find, go to humancoalition.com, donate, um, and know that they need your help. They need your support. You can volunteer, especially if you're a nurse or have a nurse background. 
And then maybe, maybe looking around at church, I think is important and knowing that most of these women, they need two things, employment and childcare. Those are the number Mm. two things women cite needing. And so can you hire pregnant women? who need a job, can you go to those PRCs and say, we're going to funnel job postings to you? Or can you volunteer as, as a child care, maybe one day a week um, for a local woman in your area who's pregnant and needs help so she can go to work? Um, those are really basic, tangible things, but things that go along with. Mm, that's so good. Chelsea Yeoman, thank you so much. We appreciate this time. It's been so fruitful. We've learned so much. We really do appreciate it. I want to, again, remind our listeners of your website, humancoalition.com. I believe you can also get there, humancoalition.org, so our listeners can go and check that out. We are out of time for today. Um, Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.